you're listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Putnam. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I'm joined today by guest Andrew Tate. Uh, you can love him, you can hate him, but there's no denying the guy's a force of nature. Uh, from the hard streets and poverty to living in his mansion where he makes millions of dollars a year doing whatever the hell he wants to do. Yeah, that's a pretty good intro, brother. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Hey, that's the dream though, right? For any kind of entrepreneur, they just want to do whatever the hell they want to do whenever they want to do it. You, you know what? I often, I talk about this a lot with people because everyone has this dream that they want to be rich. And I understand that. But I think that not a lot of people want to be rich. And also, I don't think everyone should want to be rich. And, and the reason I say this is, if I were to say to you right now, would you give up three hours a day with your kids for more money? You'd probably say to me, no, I wouldn't. Right. And that's, and that's the bottom line of, of making money. So I, I completely understand other people who have other motivations. And I, when, when I meet people who are comfortable and they're happy with their life, that's all you want to be. Because I know people richer than me who are miserable. So yeah. it's just a matter of what do you prioritize? Like for a long time, I prioritized money only. And now I'm starting to change my mindset and think, you know what? I don't need to make all this money. I need to do other things. I need to do other things. So it's all a matter of priority. So I guess, yeah, I, I built the dream I was aiming for. And once you get it, then you start to mix it up a bit. But yeah, surely it's, I'm not going to complain. You know, life's good. You know? Right. I mean, well, you know, they say that uh, success is a stale finale. It, once you make it to the top, you're going to be up there asking, what the fuck do I do next? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you see a lot of people, they'll fight and they'll fight and fight to get a goal. And Nick Lowry, uh, he was the very first guest on the show. Uh, he owns Ground Shark Coffee, good friend of mine, uh, formerly one of my business partners. But uh, he has this thing where he always has to take shit to the next level. Yep. You know, he quit his job to go balls deep into his own company just to see what would happen. He was like, if it doesn't work, I'm homeless. So we'll see how it goes. But he's 25, you know, and no kids or responsibilities. But that's the best time to make mistakes. So I have people come to me and say, oh, I'm only 19. I don't know what to do. I say, look, you're only 19. Now you can fuck up everything. Yeah. (laughs) You you know, no one's relying on you. Like now's the perfect time to make mistakes, you know, when you're young. So yeah, fuck it all up as quick as possible. (laughs) Exactly right. And then get your shit together later. So completely, completely. So yeah, life's good, man. And doing my thing out here on the edge of the world. I know I I live pretty far away from everything, but it's going good. It's going good. Yeah. Well, I think it kind of gives you an outside looking in perspective too. When you see you're more detached from everything else, you can see the whole forest rather than examining trees. You know, it's kind of cool to live in a country where you don't even know the name of the president. I don't know who he is. I don't know what he looks like. I don't, and I don't care. And it's kind of cool. Like in a way, the easiest way to detach yourself from politics completely is to live somewhere where you don't even know who, the, who, like who's the, who's the president of South Korea? Who cares? Like, it's just one of them things. So America, especially the way it's so divided about politics, I enjoy it from a sport perspective, you know, just to, you know, poke, poke the liberals a little bit, but it's kind of cool to live away from it all in a way. Yeah, it's the the whole political scale and, and scape of things here is very weird to me. No one can agree on shit, but they act like they should be able to. Um, and me, I'm like, I don't really give a fuck who's in office. I'm going to do whatever I want anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't even know how many laws I'm breaking right now because I don't care what they are. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing. And this is like, as much as I love Trump, has he changed my life in any dramatic way? No. I mean, he's made annoying people fun. He's made poking liberals fun. He's given me a little bit of a hobby. But besides that, your, your day-to-day life is always going to be about you and what you achieve and who you are as a person. It's always going to be that way. And for that reason, the, the less energy you put into politics and the more energy you put into yourself, the better. And I think most people know this. They just can't help themselves. They get sucked in. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's cool that you brought up it's all about who you are as a person. Now, what you've done in developing who you are you're a product of a very what is now considered an uncommon upbringing with the way that your father raised you and your brother. Um, From everything that I've seen you talk about with your dad uh, and we mentioned this before we started recording, your dad had a bit of just a Spartan minimalist 
mindset and lifestyle that he drove into you that just weakness is unacceptable. Yep. And I'm curious as to how that shaped your upbringing. Cause I know you and your mother and your father separated. Yep. Um, but, and when that happens in America, you really see a lot of the people who were brought up, they tend to forget the influence that their father had and they stick only yep. with the influence their mother had. But that, that wasn't the case with you and your brother. Absolutely not. Uh, and you see, I'm just curious as to how, uh, okay. when, so, yeah, go ahead. How we got there. Yeah. So I, 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 the word I will use is I was raised very deliberately. And I mean okay. that in a way as my father was very, very clear from the second I could speak that my name is Andrew Tate and my last name is Tate and I have a duty to my name and to eventually replace him. He was very, very clear with my duty from the second I remember speaking to him. He said, your name is Andrew Tate. I'm and he was, he was Emory Andrew Tate and I'm Emory Andrew Tate. Andrew's actually the middle name, but I use it all the time. But um, so we have the same name. So he said, you're the oldest son and, and your brother's the second son and you two boys, you're going to replace me. You are the Tates. So you have to be capable of what I'm capable of. So he was very deliberate in his upbringing in regards to even when I was two or three years old, he would often make me repeat my name. I know it sounds stupid, but I'd say like, oh, I'm scared. You say, but what's your name? I said, my name's Andrew Tate. He said, okay, so what are you going to do? So I'm going to go fight. So it was very clear from the beginning. It was very deliberate that there was a legacy instilled in me. And I have always felt a, a strong sense of duty to, to my ancestry. You know, like we, people talk about this on Twitter a lot, but there's a whole bunch of people who died running from saber-toothed tigers for me to end up here. And I feel like I have an obligation to perform. I, I, don't, I feel like I have an obligation for being on the planet. I have an obligation to the people who brought me here. I have an obligation to the people who are still here and the ones who are gone. So I was raised very, very deliberately. And I had a lot of harsh lessons and they were deliberately harsh, I guess, in some ways to make sure that I understood my position on the planet and my eventual succession. You know, I, he, 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 what was actually weird about my dad, I guess, is that he spoke about dying a lot, considering he was alive. Because it's not something many people talk about. But he'd often right. be talking about, he'd often talk about when I'm dead or when I'm gone or one day. He spoke about it a lot and, and he tried to drill home like, look, you are the next version of me. That's what I had you for. I want you to be the better version of me. And for that reason, you need to be able to outperform me at least, at least match me in the following metrics. So I, I was born with duty. I, I, that's the only word I can think of. I had a duty, I had a responsibility all the time. So my goal in school wasn't to get A's. My goal in school was to make sure my dad was happy. Fuck the A's, fuck the teacher. I ended up getting moved up three grades because I didn't care what the teacher said. I was trying to please my dad and moved up three grades because I always had this obligation on my head to try and please him. So, and he was a hard man to please. So that's how it was. And I think that, you know, nowadays there's a lot of stuff said about how, you know, you don't need to put pressure on kids and you can make them insecure and all this crap. I, I could not disagree more. I, I was born with a massive sense of responsibility and I always had huge shoes to fill and I enjoyed every second of it. And I still enjoy every second of it, you know? So that's, I guess that's the way, if you had to give an overview on how he raised me, it was very deliberately and it was with legacy in mind. That's, that's basically the basic blueprint of how I was raised from, from, from the second I could walk and talk. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, now, you know, everybody screams, oh, you're being too hard on your kids, but then you, these people grow up soft and well, you see God. them kind of, well, yeah, but you see them kind of crumble at the, the most like insanely small problems, you know, um, like the, the, the coronavirus and the quarantine and all that people are losing their minds because they can't go outside or they're being told they can't go outside. I don't but, think it's, and, and yeah, and you're seeing people having full mental breakdowns. And also, I don't think it's too hard on your kids. I mean, my father was an authoritarian, so there was times he was extremely hard on me, but there was also times he was extremely nice to me. I mean, cause and effect is real. Cause and effect is probably the driving force behind the universe. You, you run your mouth, you get punched in the face. Cause, effect. Like people forget this shit. And I was raised with cause and effect. I had the best father in the world when I was performing. And if I wasn't performing, I had a father who would be like, no, you got to get up and train more, study more. No, no video game, no TV. No, 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 no. Work, 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 work. Okay, now you're performing again. Okay, cool. Yeah, play Nintendo. So I was very much raised in regards to risk, reward, cause, effect. 
And there'd be times when people would say, oh, your dad, your dad's crazy. He pushes you too hard. But, but if I pulled it off and I performed, then how did he push me too hard? Maybe he's just trying to maximize, maximize my potential. Because there's, right. no there's no way to maximize potential without hard work. There's no easy way to the top of the mountain. There's, there's no such thing. So I, I had a very strict, hard, mean father, but he was, he was also the best man in the world and I respected him absolutely. I know he loved me and he was extremely nice to me. He just had huge ambition for me. He expected me as Andrew Tate to be one of the greatest men alive. That's what he expected of me. And he made it very, very clear. You know, you, I mean, I remember when I was, uh, when I was playing chess professionally, my dad was a chess grandmaster. So, and I, I've nil, still to this day, I've never reached master level in chess because it's exceptionally difficult. I still haven't, but I mastered kickboxing instead. So I think he kind of let me off. But um, when I was playing chess as a kid, the under 15s, under 15 year olds, I won it at age five. I was the youngest ever state chess champion in Indiana. I won it at age five. And I remember when I won it, he made me take two months off chess. And, and I, I was playing chess five hours a day. So chess was my life, school and chess. And I took, he made me take two months off chess. And he said, uh, you're taking time off chess. And I said, why? And he said, because you're not going to be a geek. You have to be good at everything. So you're, we're going to start working on push-ups now. So he didn't, he didn't want me just to be smart. He didn't want me just to be strong. He didn't want me just to, I had to be a well-rounded individual. He said, you're going to excel in every human metric. And this is how he raised me from the ground up. He, he, he made sure I was good at everything, you know, and he always wanted me to. And it was very deliberate. It was, I was a project. And yeah. uh I was a project for him and, and I kind of turned out okay. So it was, it was all done on purpose. Yeah. I, I think there's something to be said for performance based meritocracy when it comes to raising your children. Yep. You know, my children, you know, they have semi free range to do whatever the fuck they want yep. until they start fucking up. Yep. And then it's okay. No, no more of this shit. No more of that shit buckle the fuck down. You're not leaving the house for six months until this shit gets squared away kind of thing. But I think Jordan Peterson said that it's the duty of a father to make his children the most competent people at his funeral. I like that. That's a very good uh, thing. I've never heard that before, but yeah, it's true. And, and the truth is this, I, I believe your happiness as a man in life is going to directly correlate to a few things. One of them is your tolerance for stress because life as a man is stressful. And two is your competence. If you're a man who can tolerate stress and you're competent and near any situation, you're going to be pretty happy most of the time. I mean, it's going to be very few things that are going to really get you down. But if you're a man with a low stress tolerance and a low competence level, then you're going to struggle all the time. So, you know, you've got to be one of them resilient people and, and that's trained and that's learned from the beginning. So, I mean, I, I was tolerating stress from a very young age because my life has always been competitive. I was playing professional chess and then I'm professionally fighting and now I'm doing it. So, so when someone, now I'm in the business world, I meet people in the business world and they seem stressed about a meeting. I'm like, it's a meeting, bro. No one's going to punch you in the face. I had, to, I had to get my ass kicked. Like, what are you worried about? It's only a, you know, so if you can tolerate stress and you're competent, you're going to be a happy guy. And those, those are two things that every man should be concerned with. He should be working on anyway. So, Yeah. And Another thing I was thinking of was, you know, you, you, you came from poverty. You, you weren't always, you know, where you are now. You've built a very comfortable and cushy kind of life that you can, if you wanted to, you could sit back and relax for fucking ever. Yep. But I think you're a little bit like me in the sense, uh, and we've talked about this before, there's some things that you did in poverty and your mentality of living in poverty that you had bleed over into your life no matter what yep uh like for example for me when my family was homeless and we were all living in a fucking hotel room i lived out of my shoe i put everything in my fucking shoe so that when i woke up the next morning i could get my wallet and my pocket knife and everything else and put it where it goes and you were saying you did the same thing with your watches because yep. it's something that it's something that never really leaves you do you find yourself kind of stuck in that a little bit every now and then you get lost no. in it you know, what's funny. The one place my father did not exceed. I mean, in terms of physicality and mentality, he's probably one of the best men I ever knew. But in terms of financially, my father was, my mother never made money. People have this idea that I, I have inherited money. Da, da, da. My dad died with nine dollars, nine exact number in his pocket. So he was at a chess tournament when he died and he had to win that tournament to get home or he was fucked. That's how my dad, my dad was really like one of them kind of 
rolling stone kind of guys. I mean, professional chess, unless you're in the top 10, is not a big playing game and the tournaments are everywhere. So you're just floating around the country. All these guys look homeless. They're floating around the country, sleeping in whatever they can, just trying to get a couple hundred bucks here, a couple hundred bucks there. So um, I was raised with absolutely no money. And now that I've made money, one of the main reasons I've been so motivated to make money is, yeah, I want to enjoy my life, but also I've retired my mother. My mother doesn't have to work anymore. So I look after her. She has more money than she ever imagined ever having. And I work hard for her, but I want to raise my kids broke. I don't want them to have any money. There's a lot of guys in money Twitter, especially who talk about generational wealth. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't, I, I mean, maybe I'll leave something for them when they're 18, 19, maybe. But when my kids are, are young, their toys are going to be push-ups. They don't need, I'm not going to give them a penny. Because I think there's definitely a degree of character you learn from a poor upbringing that you cannot learn with money. I don't think it's possible. You, you, you know what I'm saying. When my family never had a safety net. Like right. when, shit, when shit went bad, it went bad. It was never like, oh, it'll be okay. We'll go into the savings. It's like, no, there is no what savings. Like it was, and that teaches you a lot about life. And I don't, I'm, one of my biggest concerns is that my kids are going to have money. So I'm going to find a way to fund it all or hide it all or do something. But I want them to grow up broke. I think it's the best way to grow up. Yeah. One of the things that we did with our kids is, you know, of course they'll, they're little, they'll get their toys, their presents and things like that, birthdays and Christmases. But the bigger things, they have to earn them. Yep. You know, like my sons, once you're working age, if you need money, you work. You work. I don't, I don't, I don't care if you have to lower yourself to giving hand jobs to homeless people under the bridge. You're going to earn that cash. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not giving it to you. If you quit your job, well, then you're broke. Yep. And that's, and that's exactly it. Cause and effect. Back to the reality of life. And that's how it should be. And, a lot of people forget this, man. And if you, if you, if you look at the world, you can, you can boil down a lot of people's base beliefs on simple things. You can use cause and effect. A very, you can apply cause and effect to nearly anybody in nearly any capacity. You can sit and talk to a liberal and, and discuss cause and effect and see that they don't believe in cause and effect. If you let in more criminals from abroad, will there be more crime? Not necessarily. They don't believe in cause and effect. They, they, their whole mindset is so messed up. You know, uh, cause and effect is the driving force behind the universe. So, yeah, you don't work, you don't get paid. You don't train, you get fat. You know, like, this is the reality. You don't fight, you lose. You know, you don't protect yourself, you get knocked out. Like, this, this is the reality of the world, and I think it's the best way to be raised, especially as a man, because life's harder for men than it is for women, and it always will be, and, and women don't understand this. But as a man, you're, you're going to suffer one way or another. You're either going to suffer the – you're either going to suffer being a nobody and, and, and being unhappy and being miserable – or you're going to suffer trying to build yourself into something. There's, there's nothing but suffering in life as a man. So you have to just embrace it and enjoy it. There's nothing else to do. Yeah. It's kind of like the old, uh, what was it? Uh, Sisyphus, you know, he's doomed to push the fucking rock up the mountain for the rest of his life. Yeah. Well, that's all we're doing is men. You know, like you said, men will suffer more uh, than women in life because more is expected of men. Yep. You know, if shit starts to hit the fan, my kids don't go running to mom. Yep, yep, yep. They run to dad. Hey, dad, some shit's going down. Exactly. You know, if like, you know, last night we had fucking four tornado alarms or whatever go off. Yep. They didn't go to mom. They were like, dad, what's going on? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm like, stay in the house. I'm going to sit on the porch and watch it. We'll see what happens. You know, we're the ones that walk on that fine line of life and death. Always you know? have been and always will be. Well, yeah, you know, our families, the, our tribes, whatever they are, they stay within the safety of the campfire light. Yep. And we patrol the borders of that light between, between light and darkness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and it's our duty as a man. And this is why life is always going to be more difficult. And the more capable you are, the less likely you are to die. There's, there's like rule one of life is do not die. That's got to be rule one, right? Fair you know, enough. Rule one of life is do not die. My dad used to once again say this a lot. Rule one, do not die. So um, that's, that's rule one. And, and, and the harder you are to kill, the more you understand cause and effect, the more capable you are, the more prepared you are, the more perspicacious you are, the harder you are to kill. And that's the bottom line of it all. I, I remember, I'll tell you one more story about my dad. Uh, I remember sitting, uh, watching something on the news about a, a boat in New Zealand. This is like 15 years ago. A boat in New Zealand capsized. And a guy swum to shore. I can't remember how far it was, 30 miles or something. 
and he was really badly sunburned from being on the top of the water and the water had magnified the sun and he had like first degree burns and he lost all his skin and all this, all that. He's in hospital. And my, my dad said, well, I would have done the same thing. I would, my mom said, oh, that would have been so hard. And my dad said, it wouldn't have been hard. And my mom turned to him and goes, what do you mean it would have been hard? He swum 30 miles and he got burnt. Da, da, da. And my dad said, what's the alternative? Drown? Yeah. Like, like, it's, hard to, it's hard to give up and put your head underwater and never breathe again. It's easy to keep paddling. Like, if you've got that warrior mentality, you're, you're going to keep going no matter what it takes. That guy didn't want to die. That's rule one. Do not die. And if you always have that in your head, like, do not die – you're going you're gonna to be pretty good in nearly anything. That's what I used to think before I fought, even though it was only, even though it was professional sport. The last thing that went through my head before I got in the ring was, whatever you do, do not die. Because well, it's going to take you far. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm assuming you're about my age. I'm 33. Yeah. And we grew up watching, you know, uh, Apollo Creed get killed yeah, with a yeah. punch. Yeah. And so you, you, you're walking into a ring professionally fighting, you know, it's a possibility. You've seen fighters die from getting hit. You've seen yeah. fighters, you know, get their bell rung in one match and then a jab kills them in the next. Yeah. And so it's always a possibility. Yeah. And again, rule, rule one, don't die. And if that means don't get hit in the head, don't get hit in the head. You got to yeah. and you have to make yourself good enough to not get hit in the fucking head. Exactly right. And the only reason I fought was because I was good. I don't want to be arrogant, but I didn't get hit very much. So I, that's the reason I fought because I don't, I mean, I've had 85 professional fights. I don't even have a broken nose. I did very well. But um, if I took a lot of punches, I probably would have retired much earlier. But I didn't get hit too often. So it was okay. But then every once in a while, you know, you get, you get hit. Like it's, you don't, you don't go swimming without getting wet. So that's how it goes. But yeah, I think that's a good mentality for life in general. And, 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 you know, men, we have an innate warrior instinct anyway, you know, it's inside of us and the happiest men are, are in touch with it. It's only the men who deny it completely who are miserable. These are the most miserable men alive. So you just have to use it in a constructive manner. There's nothing wrong with it. And, and these are the healthiest men you're ever going to meet. Yeah. Uh, it kind of reminds me of back when, again, when uh, my family and I were homeless, we lost everything uh, when the recession of 2008 hit and over a period of, two years we ended up losing our house and then we moved into an, a one bedroom apartment and then we lost that and we lost a car in a hotel only job i could get was a uh, uh a work today get paid today labor job yep and my the job that i got picked for was to take a 16 pound sledgehammer for 10 hours a day and beat up concrete so that oh. it could be and so this so it could be picked up by a, a hopper and then turned into gravel and I'm in West Texas. It's 115 degrees outside. But I did that. I did that every single day. Uh, well, at least six days a week. And I earned $56 a day take home. All right. But the alternative, it was, well, the alternative, I have to watch my son go to sleep on a sidewalk. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how it goes. Do not die. You have to survive one way or another. This is the natural instinct of man. This is the natural order of man. You just have to man up and get on with it. That's how it goes. Right. I, I, I asked, who did I ask? I can't remember. I asked a friend of mine a couple of years ago. He was talking about something. And I asked, he was saying, talking about panic. I can't remember. He used the word panic. And I hate, I don't like that word panic because to me, it sounds very effeminate. A panic, ah, panic. He said something about, I can't remember what he was talking about. And he said he panicked. And I said, seriously, on a serious question, have you ever panicked? He goes, what do you mean? I was like, no, serious, genuine question. Have you ever panicked? He goes, well, well probably. Why? And I'm sitting there thinking, have I ever panicked? Like in right. regards to the idea of like, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. It's like, I, like I can't. Beyond all panicked. reason, nothing conscious. Yeah. 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 I've never panicked. Like I, it's always causing, there's a reaction and there's reaction. There's cause and effect. No matter what bad has happened to me. I, I, I carry a scar where I was stabbed and I didn't panic. Like you stabbed me. Okay. Am I bleeding? Okay. I'm bleeding. But I'm up. Okay. It's not that, but fight now. Like there's no time to panic. Like, you, anyone who, if you've ever panicked in your life, if you're watching this and you can think of a time you panicked, you have mental work to do. There's no time for panic when shit hits the fan. The people who live are the people who don't panic. Panic later. Panic in your own free time. But panic is the number one thing. It's one of the first things you can remove. So there's, there's a whole bunch of language as well that people use that I don't like. I don't like, uh, I, like, like there's an example of one of my friends saying panic, which is something I'd never say about myself. Or phobic is another word i never say about myself if i don't like something i'm not afraid of it i just don't like it i'm allowed to dislike things without being afraid of them i don't like brussels sprouts you think i'm fearful 
Like this, there's a whole bunch of language that language has been hijacked and people, they, they say things to themselves and they, they program their own mind. They're not careful with what they say and people say things to them and they don't correct them. And there's a whole bunch of programming that goes on as well with this. And as a man, yeah, it's, it's exact. You do what you have to do. You don't panic. You look at the situation, you look at the board and you make the move that makes most sense to you. And you make sure you do never violate rule one, do not die. And if you do those things, you're going to be a good man. It's as simple as that. I really think that's the, the basis of manhood. The basis of manhood is doing shit you don't want to do because you're supposed to do it. And you do it anyway. That's basically it. Yeah, you know, you, you bring up fear. I think, and tying it back into what you said about how a lot of men have this innate warrior mentality. Because that's what we're bred for. We're bred to fight. We're bred to kill. We're bred to survive and raise up our families and keep them from all the other threats whether they be existential or physical. I can say that I was afraid of letting my family down. It didn't mean shit to me, but it meant something for them, you know, because I mean, hell, I could have just tucked fucking tail and ran and I, $56 a day, just me, I'd live comfortable. I I don't need that much, but I've got a pregnant wife and I've got eight goddamn kids, you know, in the fucking hotel room, I'm sleeping on the goddamn floor. Letting them down was terrifying, but I, I wasn't so much that I was afraid. It was more of a, maybe, maybe both, but I, I reconfigured that fear into being so pissed off that that was a possibility. I was fighting to the point where it wouldn't happen again. Bro, the best fights I ever had professionally is when I was scared. There's right. power and there's power in fear. It's just, it's power. It's either fight, it's either fight or flight, isn't it? When you feel scared, you either, it either consumes you or you use it. It's one of the two things. It either consumes you and then, and then you fail or you use it and it adds power. If I'm scared, I'm going to react quicker. I'm going to twitch faster. When you're walking through a haunted house and you hear things, it's because you're afraid. Even your senses heighten. This is biologically proven. Fear is a fantastic motivator. Fear is fantastic for energy. You can't sleep when you're scared. You can't be lazy. You can't be lethargic. You'll work your ass off when you're scared. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with being afraid. What there is something wrong with is being afraid and being too big of a pussy to do anything. I was scared for every single fight I ever had. People think that fighters are so brave and we're not scared. No, we're scared. We just do it anyway. So I have, I have, I have nothing against men who says, oh, I'm afraid of this. I say, okay, cool. Will you still do it? That's the point. Someone breaks right. into my house in the middle of the night. I'm going to be scared. Who the fuck's that guy? How many friends has he got? What weapons he had? I'm still going to fuck him up, <laughs> but I'm going to be scared. So like, yeah, fear is right. real. And that's one of the fundamental things about being a man. You know, we, we feel fear and we use it. Women, women let fear embrace them. We, we don't. We're not allowed to. We have to perform at all times. So yeah, fear is a fantastic motivator. So is being angry. I say this all the time to people. I say, I'm, 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 I'm pissed off six days a week. And I'm not pissed off in an uncontrollable, you know, domestic violence idiot way. I just, it's just, if I start getting in work mode, if I start really buckling down and focusing on my stuff, I end up angry because that's my default mode to get things done. I, I can't explain it. Maybe it's just from years of, of pro fighting, but if I sit down, I got emails, did it at work, little phone call, did it. After two hours of work, by the end of it, I'm like, I'm pumped. I'm like angry. I'm pissed off because that's my, that's my attack mode to do things. So fear and anger are super useful. You know, like it's fear and anger are fantastic motivators. Absolutely. Use them all. Well, I think the time. They're, yeah, I think they're part of the most primal part of man is fear and anger. You know, we use anger to fight off attackers. We use fear to make sure that the attackers aren't still there and to investigate and we get angry when we find them. It's whether whether the attacker is, you know, a fucking saber-toothed tiger or poverty. Yep. Whatever it is, we use the fear of it to become angry at it because it takes us out of our frame. It takes us out of our state of being for that moment. And it's a change. So we have to, it's a, it's a chaos that we're drawn to because we're supposed to put it back in fucking order. Exactly. Yeah. There's a threat. And, and, you know, if we're sitting around with our women and we're sitting there and, you know, fucking and chilling and whatever, whatever. We're not in combat mode, but when a threat appears, you need, you need to become combat ready quickly. And that's, that's what fear does. That's what fear absolutely will do. And that's what anger absolutely will do. And, and, and they're absolutely natural part of being man. And, and this is the thing. This is one of the things where they talk about like, uh, 
toxic masculinity and all this bullshit and trying to make men more in touch with their feelings. And I was trying to explain to somebody, listen, men are already in touch with their feelings. What men need is emotional control. Because when, when they try and teach all these boys to cry, they say, if you feel sad, cry. If you feel happy, laugh. If you feel depressed, do this. If you're telling a, a, a man to have no emotional control and a boy to have no emotional control, and he can't control himself and he can't restrict an emotion, what happens when he gets angry? I'll tell you what happens. He shoots the school up. That's what happens. Right. So emotional control is super important as a man. Like we're all going to feel emotion, but we need to be able to control it and use it. And, and, and this is the natural part of being a man. When they say, oh, boys should cry too. Men shouldn't hide their feelings. I disagree. Men should absolutely hide and control their feelings. There's a time and a place to cry. There's a time and a place to cry. and There's a time and a place to not to. And there's, there's, you know, I may feel like crying in one scenario and I may do it. I may feel like crying in another and I won't because I ain't got time to cry if there's still an attacker in the house. Like there's time and a place for this shit. So you have to be able to control your emotion and funnel it into the most effective medium. And this is one of the things that's not being done or taught nowadays, especially, especially to young boys. Oh, cry if you feel like crying. No. What if he punches you in the face and you feel like crying? You're going to cry or you're going to fight? Like, there's no, there's no always time to cry. Rule one, do not die. You know, the man in the ocean could have cried and, and sank. He was too busy swimming. So it's the reality of life. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the same thing I do with my kids. You know, I've got eight boys, thank God. Eight, you know. Whoa, 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 whoa. Eight boys? One girl. Eight boys and one girl. You hit the jackpot, G. I'm, I'm, I'm really fucking glad it's not nine, you know, eight girls and one boy. <laughs> I would have just moved out into the fucking yard with the one boy and be done. But, but, you know, I want them to have influence of their mother because they need to learn how to care. I want them to have influence of their sister because they need to learn how to, you know, interact with a, with a female who's a peer and all this other. But my kid, you know, my five-year-old just last week climbing a fucking tree fell down, busted his lip open, comes over to me and he's crying. I'm like, yeah, but you didn't make it to the top of the tree. Go, you know. But there's blood. Is there a lot? No. Well, you're fine. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, I've said it before, it's important that boys feel, but it's more important that boys know when to express that feeling. Completely agree. Because if my kid is playing ball and he gets tackled and falls down on the field and he's hurt. Well, you can cry or you can finish the goddamn play. And then you come back to the sidelines, cry then, Yeah, exactly. you know, but you can't play if the fucking ball's still live, you know, I mean, you got to fucking move. Yep. Completely. And, agree, man. and this, and this is where, this is, this is where based the basic breakdown societies happen when these men who literally can't control themselves anymore are either in charge of something or, running around telling other people how to live and how to be. And this is where it all comes from, man. And, and I don't want to get too political and too societal because I'm really very much about me and my people. And I'm trying to do my best with looking after me and my people. But this, the, the, the breakdown of society, people often discuss and blame women. Well, women aren't women anymore. And I kind of, I kind of disagree with that. If, if men were still men, women might still be women. And, and you'll often find if, if a man's a man, he usually has a woman who's pretty good in his life. So it's not, it's not women who are the problem. Yeah. And see, that's something I talk about in the book I'm writing now. Um, uh, leading your wife, a man's guide to becoming the patriarch. Yeah. If you see women who are exhibiting more masculine traits, it's because the men aren't. Yeah. It's a vacuum that's desperately trying to be filled. Yeah. You know, if you have men who are fucking performing, you're not going to have women needing to perform out of fear that no one else is fucking doing it. Absolutely right. Completely true. And that's, and that's what's happening on a societal level. It's, it's very, very simple. I mean, I'm, no, I'm not married, so I'm definitely not an expert on marriage, but I've, I've had plenty of long-term relationships. In fact, most of my girl, some of my girls I've had longer than most people have been married. And I'll tell you, they're very happy with my performance as a man. So they're happy to submit to my will. If I say something, they've trust, they trust my judgment because I know what I'm fucking talking about and I've proved it. So why would they combat me? You know, well, simple. that's the whole point. You've You've been reliable. You've been consistent. No, no woman is going to follow a fucking man who's unreliable. No woman is going to follow a man who doesn't follow through. Because everything, everything in a relationship, whether it's a relationship between a husband and wife, man and woman, you know, a leader and his, you know, uh, his subjects, 
if you're wanting someone to follow you, they have to have been able to rely on you for a long period of time. And they need to be able to look at you and trust you that every single time something's happened, every single time something has come down the pike, he's been able to handle it. Exactly. That's human nature. I mean, that's pattern recognition. That's human nature. Exactly. How, how, did, how did we know not to go fuck with the lion? Well, last time someone fucked with the lion, they died. And then someone else tried it and they died. So I'm not going to do that. Like that, like this pattern recognition. If they, they can realize, you know what, well, every time stuff got hard, it doesn't matter if he had to break rocks in the Texas sun or it doesn't matter whatever we ate, he's the guy who's going to feed us, then they're going to be fine. It's only if you're going to sit there and cry your eyes out and be like, oh, I don't know what to do. Then she's going to be like, well, what the fuck am I with you for then? <laughs> what, good, yeah, what good are you? So this is the reality of it. Yeah, exactly. It has to be something where, like I said, a pattern that's recognized in order for that trust to form. And if, you, if you're performing where you're supposed to be fucking performing, you're handling your goddamn business, there's no reason to not trust you. Yep, exactly right. Completely agree. And the problem, like you've been saying, with this breakdown uh, in society as a whole, people are complaining there's no men, but now you've got the powers that be, whatever you want to fucking call them again, not trying to go down the political side of it. Mm-hmm. Powers that be are telling men to not be men while they're complaining that women aren't being women. Yep. I completely agree. And, and I mean, I was watching, uh, there's some documentary that came out a couple of days ago that's really big on YouTube at the moment about Hollywood and all its programming. And I've watched Hoax by Cernovich and all these kind of things. And yeah, there's, there's definitely a huge agenda trying to feminize men. But, you know, like, I'm trying to think, if, if that agenda was around when I was living with my dad, would it have worked? No. Right. No way. I mean, like, if you're a man and you're in charge of your tribe, it's very easy to make sure that nothing bad happens to, to your boys. Just turn the fucking TV off and start the push-ups. Like, you've got to take responsibility for your own shit in your own life. Like, you can't outsource the, the, the programming of your, of your sons to society. Just like you can't outsource the programming, uh, programming, programming of your woman to society. I said this on Twitter the other day. I said, control your woman or society will control your woman. Who, who do you trust more? Like, you know, so you got to take responsibility for this shit. And that's just called personal responsibility. If, 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 you've, if you're a man and you're going to sit and go, oh, my son is being, doing this and doing that. You know what? It's kind of like every time I see one of them fathers on Twitter and you're like, oh, my sons have both become transgender and I'm blaming TV. I'm like, you must have something to do with it. Like you didn't, you didn't at no point did you check these motherfuckers? Like you didn't do nothing? Like, I'm just, right. I, I, you know, like there must have been something you could have done. Like, you got to have personal responsibility for absolutely everything in your life. If my pit bull bites someone, I have a part to play. And you, you, right. you, you, I, 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 apply that to absolutely everything, especially raising your kids and your family. You know, I'm, my woman behaves perfectly because I'm sure she does. And I'm, and I'm proud of her because she listens to me. That's the whole point. Yeah. You know, and it's like with uh, my son. One of my sons is gay. Yeah. But he is not feminine in any way because he's going to be a fucking man. You know, and a lot of that gets convoluted people and conflated. People think that gay means feminine. It doesn't. I, I've seen some of the biggest, meanest motherfuckers. I mean, hell, look at Jack Donovan. I had Jack Bro. Donovan on the podcast. Jack Donovan is gay, but Bro, you I, would never a, fucking guess. There was a gay club where I was doing security. When I used to do security work, there was a gay club, and there was a, a doorman who was gay, and he was huge. And I remember someone tried to someone uh, said to him, he was trying to get in the club and the, and the guy had like this girl with him who was too drunk. And he said, oh, and he made a, a, a slur. He called him a faggot. And this gay got kicked the fuck out. Doesn't mean a thing. So, but yeah, you're right. Feminine and, and homosexual are not linked at all. You know, so, and also neither is, neither is masculine and straight. Right. You know, you, you can have very, very feminine straight guys. So it's all about just being a man and handling your business and being reliable. I, I get a lot. I get this a lot. People message me and say things like, uh, Oh, but I don't want to be a fighter. I'm like, look, I'm not talking about being a fighter. I'm talking about being a reliable man who will do something when he says he's going to do it, whose handshake means something, who sticks to his word and will work hard. That's the, that's the fuck fighting. It's not even about fighting. It's about just being a man who says, yeah, I'll be there at nine o'clock and actually turn it up on time. It's, that, that's all being a man really is. You know, it's, it's, not much, it's not much else outside of that. And, and I don't think a lot of people understand. Yeah, you, you, you see a lot of it. People go, well, I don't want to be a fighter, like you said. Well, you don't have to be a fighter to be able to fight. Exactly. 
if the need arises. Because we don't live in a world where a fight is constantly necessary all the fucking time. Not anymore. We don't have, you know, unless it's Southern California, we don't have, you know, roving bands of bandits running down the fucking street all the goddamn time. We don't have that. But you might have somebody who is a belligerent drunk at a bar or a restaurant want to fight you. You need to be able to fucking handle that because if he goes through you and you're with your wife, he's probably going to go to her next. You got to handle that shit. Absolutely. Completely agree. Completely and again, agree. it's all just about being reliable. Yep. Completely agree with you, friend. Yeah. And you've got the, the lack of self-accountability and the excuses. Well, I grew up this way. Growing up anyway doesn't mean fuck all. You know, I, I grew up, you know, my father died before I even, the only memory I have of my fucking father is him lying in a hospital bed with a cannula in his fucking nose because he had Agent Orange from Vietnam. It's the, I have zero pictures of my father. I have, I have zero belongings of my father's. I know what the fuck he looks like due to like three pictures I've seen. Wow. Right? That's it. I don't remember anything else about him other than the fact that he died before I ever, ever had a fucking chance to have a real conversation with him. I think I was like four or five. But getting my ass kicked for the next eight years by a stepfather who didn't want kids, who just wanted, you know, pussy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That didn't mean that I, I'm going to do the same thing to my kids. The way I grew up, yeah, the way I grew up didn't mean shit. Once you reach a level of accountability, you're responsible for your own shit. And nobody, it seems like less and less people are wanting to take responsibility for their own lives they want to blame it on something else completely agree you know like you're right you, you get to a point where you're an adult and you have to look around okay you may have grew up in the hood let's take the hood for example you grew up in the hood everyone did hood shit blah 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 there has to be a point when you get to like 20 and you go you know what i can move 10 blocks that way and leave all this dumb shit color bandanas and fucking drive by i can just fuck i can just forget it all all i have to do is move that way and get a job and then they're going to say, I'm trapped in the hood. You're not. You want to be there. One yeah, it, yeah it's, it's not a ghetto in Nazi Germany. They don't have fucking walls where they won't let you leave. Exactly right. And, and that's the whole thing about it. It's a mentality thing. And a lot of people just don't escape it mentally, and that's why they can't escape it physically. And that's the reality of it. And, you know, like you said, upbringing, okay, you can drag up excuses all day long, but excuses don't change the outcome. If you end up in jail, you're still in jail. Your excuse for being in jail does not make you any more free. You're still there. Cause and effect. So you can forget the whole excuse element. I don't think that's anything important to play, that whole part of it. So go do what you gotta yeah. do. Right. Now you talked earlier about if you've ever panicked, you've got some mental work to do. Yeah. You know you and I you know, we're we're different and in, in the way that we've had to overcome a lot of shit in life. But there's a lot of people who have never had to endure any kind of adversity because they've just had an easy life. When, and that's the world we live in. A lot of people are going to have easy lives yep. regardless of how hard the world is. Mm -hmm. But what do you think people need to start doing if they want to be able to mentally prepare for the hardships that may or may not ever come, but it's like a condom. You'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Yeah, absolutely. I, this is one of the reasons I, I like physical training so much. Like lifting weights is not just about being able to lift weights and having big arms. It's about the fact that it's, it's, it's difficult. It's repetitive. Uh, it gets harder all the time. You never complete it. You never say, okay, I've completed weightlifting. There's always more to lift. You know, it's, it's painful, especially if you're going to do it like on a proper level. And it's a fantastic place to start on a very basic level. It teaches yourself discipline. Doesn't matter if it's, if it's, you know, I, I did fighting, doesn't matter if it's weightlifting, whatever, whatever. The physical exercise thing is going to teach you the basics. Once again, it ties into cause and effect, exactly the same ties into train hard, get better, sort of. So physical element, that's, that's definitely a great place to start. That's a, a fantastic place to start. Another thing is you, you got to, you got to remove excuses from your life. And I know a lot of people say this, and a lot of these things I say sound like platitudes because they're said a lot, but a lot of people don't do them. I mean, genuinely remove excuses from your life on a serious level. So I'll give you an example. If, if I, uh, sometimes if I miss a whole night's sleep, like a whole night, let's say I'm flying or I'm whatever, whatever, I miss a whole night's sleep. The next day I'll find myself being like, I haven't slept in 60 hours, or whatever. I'm groggy or I miss something or I mistype something, whatever, whatever. I will sit and consciously meditate for a couple seconds and go, no, being tired is not a good enough excuse to misspell a fucking word. 
Being tired is not a good enough excuse to leave my passport on a chair. Being tired is not, like, you have to remove excuse. No, I perform always. And I, I train myself, it doesn't matter if I'm tired, it doesn't matter if I'm hungry, it doesn't matter if I'm thirsty. It doesn't matter what happens, I will at all times make sure I do not have an excuse for my behavior, if it's sub-adequate. And you can train yourself to be like that because, and I think the two things that taught me that is fighting and chess, because in those sports, if you make a mistake, you're gonna get punished. And it doesn't matter what your excuse is. Oh, I was, I was running out of time. No one cares. No one cares. You made the wrong move. I was thirsty. No one cares. You made the wrong move. No one's interested in the excuse. They're interested in the results. It doesn't matter. Like there's very few excuses you can pull up in, in, the, in the binary reality of life and death people are going to care about. If, if something happens, someone breaks into my house right now and I have to kill them before they kill my family member and I fail, what am I supposed to say? I was tired? Who gives a shit? Nobody. It doesn't change anything. So you, you have to get your mindset to a point where you don't accept excuses. I don't accept excuses for myself. It doesn't matter if I haven't slept or ate, or it doesn't matter what it is. I expect myself to perform at all times to the maximum of my ability and, and my capability. And it's because I've been raised that way. So that's one another thing people need to do. Even if you have an easy life, you need to remove any excuse. Because people have an easy life. Oh, I went, you know what? I was, I was up late last night. So I'm gonna go to bed early tonight. Why? You know, what, what or what? You'd be a little bit tired, boo hoo. You got work to do, do your work. You know, I, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's a mindset shift more than the lifestyle shift. You can have an easy life and still have a hard mind if, you, if you're hard enough on yourself. And it's better to be hard on yourself than let the world be hard on you. That's my view. Well, I think the harder you are on yourself, the harder time the world has of being hard on you. That's right. It's exactly right. Like, you, you look at these brothers out in, in Sierra Leone or wherever. Like, what are you going to do to them that's going to scare them? Like, like on, on a serious note. And this goes into the whole political element, which I don't want to go into, but like right now, Western Europe is suffering big time because they've opened up the floodgates and these people have come in and they're not scared of the police. Would you be scared of the police? If you grew up in a civil war in Sierra Leone, are you scared of some cop who's not even got a gun? He might taser you, you don't care. And then what, put you in a room with a bed? Boo hoo. Like there are people who through, you know, just through natural selection have ended up near fearless. And you have to kind of train yourself the best you can within reason while still enjoying the fruits of life to just be like, well, you know what? I've had worse and I've dealt with worse. So what's going to happen to me? Nothing. You just got to have that mindset here. Yeah. And see, that reminds me of, uh, I had Richard Coleman, who is a Paralympic world champion on the podcast, uh, wheelchair racing in uh, uh, Australia. Well, he did the death road in Bolivia in his racing wheelchair and like a few thousand people die on that road every year on mountain bikes. He did it in a racing wheelchair, but his first thing was, eh, should be all right. Is how he said it. You know, I'm like, it's, it's fantastic, but there's a book called uh, machete season. Okay. And it's uh, the, the, uh, the, the machete season, the killers speak. And it, it's taken from firsthand accounts of uh, the ones who were in uh, the area in Africa when they had the uh, the uh, Tootsies oh, the Hutu, and the Hutus. Hutu. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it's taken from their point of view, like, oh, yeah, well, we just killed them because they were cockroaches. We just did. When you have that kind of mentality, the little piddly shit. I'm not telling anybody who's listening to go and start machete and fucking people. Yeah. But if that's the world you lived in, yeah. even if it's in your own head, the little piddly shit about losing your job or having to work harder or miss a few hours sleep or skip a few meals. They don't mean shit. Yeah, exactly. Everything's relative, isn't it? They say like, why does a baby cry when it's, it's growing a new tooth? Well, growing a new tooth isn't that painful, but to a baby, it's the most painful thing it's ever felt in its life. It's right. Never known, it's never known pain. So little things are painful to children until they, experience more and more and more pain till you become a grown-up and then you're used to it you're used to things hurting so it's not such a big deal so everything's relative absolutely it's relative and there's ways you can control you know your tolerance to certain things like stress and pain etc cetera, etc cetera. and that's why sports and training is a fantastic way to tolerate stress and, and get into it i think as one of the joys of being a man is being physically strong it's one of the joys of being a man why would you want to be a man and not be a strong man right what's the, what's the point like, it's like women enjoy being beautiful women. So men enjoy being strong men. Like, I'm not saying you have to be Superman, but you have to know, like, you're strong. You don't want to be one of them little frail motherfuckers. Or you're like, what's, what's, 
where's the fun in being a man if you're if you're all frail or you're super fat? Like, where's the that's the whole joy of it. I, I think everything everything about being a man comes from a position of strength that you're going to enjoy. Sex is fun when you're strong. Life's fun when you're strong. It doesn't matter what it is. So this is another thing you have to take into mind. So it's, it's good for your mindset as a whole. I, I advocate physical training for absolutely everybody. It doesn't matter what it is. I think you got to do something. Right. And, you know, I think part of – I think manhood is just a series of vaccinations. You get inoculated against hardship the more hard shit you do. Yeah. And so, like you said, it's all relative. Well, losing your job, you know, if I lost my job, that doesn't mean shit to me. I've been homeless before, exactly. you know, in hindsight, okay, I have to work two jobs now. Well, it's better than working, you know, the one goddamn job in the middle of the fucking desert for 10 hours a day for peanuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But throughout life, the harder shit you do and the harder you are on yourself the more inoculated you are when shit does hit the fan. It's not good. It's going to be relative to, you know, a tooth coming in versus getting shot in the fucking ball sack. Completely agree. Completely agree. Yeah. But that, that's something I really respect about you and your brother is you live very comfortable lives. You've got the cars, you've got the house, you've got the businesses, but you don't take any days off from being hard on yourself. Never. We still train every morning. We're still training every morning. We're still punching each other every morning. We're still lifting loads of weights. We're still difficult on ourselves at all times. And that's just because that's how we've always been. It's all we've ever known. And, uh, I, I, I know that I couldn't enjoy my life unless I felt resilient to life. I wouldn't, if, no amount of money would make me happy being a soft person. It doesn't matter if you were to say, I'll give you a billion dollars, but you're emotionally and physically soft. I would never take it. How can you be happy? I can't imagine experiencing the world and not be a resilient person. I can't imagine experiencing the world and being the kind of person who collapses at adversity. That just sounds like a scary experience to me. Well, a feather in the wind, hoping nothing bad happens because if it does, I'm going to have a breakdown. Like I, no amount of money would make me feel better. And that's actually kind of one of the things I've noticed about money. Like there are a lot of people who get money and they think, well, I have money, so I don't need to be strong, resilient, smart, but I've got money. But they're, 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 pay, they're, pay other strong people to do shit for you. Yeah, but they're pieces of shit people and they're, and they're miserable people. So I, I think that's a stupid way to be anyway. I, I'm completely, I like to be self-reliant. And hey, I don't define myself by having a little bit of money. If I lost all my money tomorrow, I'd be the same arrogant motherfucker I am now. I'd be typing the same shit. So it doesn't even matter to me. You know, it is what it is. And it didn't change me in any way. It certainly didn't make me softer. No, it just gave me more time to train. So. Yeah, I, th I think uh, money doesn't change. It amplifies. It, it amplifies what the fuck you are. If you were an arrogant motherfucker when you were broke, you're going to be an arrogant motherfucker when you're rich. Completely. And it is what it is. People can love it or hate it. You know, I'm a cocky son of a bitch, but it is what it is. You know. And once again, like, I think, what do they say? Uh, haters never win and winners never hate. And, or hate never comes from the bottom. It's true, man. Anyone who's really upset with you being confident in yourself – because they're not confident in themselves. I have no problem with a guy being confident in himself. Why would that bother me? Fantastic. All my friends are like me. All my friends are arrogant as I am. Like, this, this is who we are as men. You know, like, I have no problem with it. The only people who are going to sit there and go, you should be different are people who are miserable within themselves. There's nothing wrong with waking up. I say this to people all the time. If you wake up every day and you look in the mirror and you believe you're the best man on earth, it ain't going to make your life any worse. How can that make your life worse? Because we only get to live life as ourselves. You get to live as you. I get to live as me. And, and we're, we're all in our own story. I want to be the hero of my story. Right. I don't want to be the side character. I don't want to be the, the fucking whatever else. I want to be the superhero. There's a story and there's one superhero. And I want that to be me. So if that's the case, I got to believe I'm the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Well, how else could it work? So that's just how I experience life. That's just how I go through it. And... I love meeting other people who think the same thing. I encourage that, absolutely. If that means you're egotistical, who gives a shit? You're happy, you're smiling, you're resilient. You can get things done. And that's the way to be nowadays. Instead of the alternative where you're going to sit there and go, oh, I don't have an ego. Oh, I love the planet. I love the world. Da -da. These are people who are miserable. These people are completely unhappy. It's just never be like them. Don't listen to, never listen to the thinking of unhappy people. Why the fuck would you, when, when someone comes at you and tells you how to think and then, and then you scroll through their Twitter feed and they've wrote about how depressed they were last week. <laughs> like, is that, why would I listen to you? 
Like, never listen to the thinking of unhappy people. Listen to the happy people. They know things. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, you know, you say all your friends are like you. Well, that's kind of the price of admission. You have to be a ballsy motherfucker if you're going to be a part of a good tribe. Yep. You know? and, and, yeah, that's it. Because men, men, especially with our friendships, we have uh, has to be mutually beneficial. So right. I know, exactly. I know if I, if, if I get attacked and I'm with my boys, I know my boys have got my back. Otherwise, otherwise there's no friendship. So it's got to be mutually beneficial one way or another. So yeah, that's, that's another thing. It's a very good point you made. I, a lot of guys come to me as well and they say, oh, I don't, my, my friend stole my girl or some stupid shit. And I'm like, why were you hanging around with these kind of snakes in the first place? Like, how was he ever your friend? You didn't spot this from a million miles off? Like, you know, you are- Like, there were indicators. There were indicators somewhere that yeah. he was that type of person. Exactly. You know, there's the, you are the company you keep to a degree as well. So if you hold yourself to a high standard, you hold your company to a high standard, and, then, and now all of a sudden your life's in order. It's, it's, it's really not that complicated. And I think a lot of this stuff we're saying people know, but they're just afraid to do. I think a lot of people know it, but they, they just they just don't do it. And that you'll find that with all of all of life. People think people know things, they just don't want to do things. It's the reality of it. But not my circus, not my monkeys. I help those I can help and I live my life the best I can and I, I enjoy my existence on earth and, and that's all I can do. Yeah, you know, and it I've had to do that same thing. I've got family members that I've had to completely cut off because they're, they're crabs in a fucking bucket. They're miserable fucking people. They're just unhappy and codependent kind of people. And they want to drag me in all that. Like, no, fuck it. You know, I will help if I can help, but I'm not going to facilitate or enable or any of that horse shit. And I'm not dropping down to my level because I have a standard for myself. And I think a lot of people don't have standards for themselves. Yep. And because of that, they can't establish standards for the people they hang around. And, what, and the reason they don't have standards for themselves is because they have no ego. So this goes back to ego. We talk about how bad ego is. Well, if you have an ego, then you have standards for yourselves. If you have ego, you're too proud to let your family go homeless, exactly like you did. If you have ego, you're too proud to be morbidly obese because you don't want people to view you that way. If you have ego, you're too proud to be weak. If you have ego, you're too proud to fail. Ego is going to prevent you from messing up your entire life because you're proud of who you are and what you have and what you do. So people often say, oh, you've got too big an ego. I said, well, you don't have any ego because you look like shit. So maybe you should have an ego and you wouldn't want to be that way anymore. Because if you have an ego, you, want, you feel like you have something to prove. And that's what's going to make you work. So yeah, I, absolutely. If these people developed an ego in the correct way, you know, not in a, some people have ego without any justification. That's a mental illness. But if you have an ego and you're <laughs> out to prove it, then you're going to do all right. Uh, an ego without justification is a mental illness. I'll agree with that one. Yeah. You've got a lot of people who are, you've got a lot of people who are proud of some shit that doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's the fine line of ego and being grounded and making sure that you're, you're living in the real world. But if you can get that right, you're going to be endlessly motivated. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, we're, we're coming up on that hour mark. Uh, and I think that was probably the best spot to wrap it up. You know, if you don't have an ego, you need to fucking get one, but make yeah. sure your ego, make sure your ego matches your measure. Absolutely. And work hard to prove it. And, 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 you know, another thing that, yeah, before we wrap up is people think that egotistical means you're mean or it means you can't make friends. Or, no, 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 no. You can have an ego and believe in yourself and love yourself and be very nice to other people and have friends. Where does mean come into it? Just, just, just because I believe in myself, just because I believe that no matter what happens in my life, I will find a way to fix it. That doesn't mean I can't be nice to other people. It just means I believe in, in, I believe in Andrew Tate. I believe in what he will do to make sure I eat. And now or in the future, I, I have absolute self-confidence. That doesn't mean I can't be nice to other people. And, and, and anyone, next time someone talks to you about, oh, you have too big an ego, look at his life for five seconds, and I guarantee he's miserable. And you'll see the correlation. The, the happiest people alive are, are egotistical. You'll see it. Oh, of course. But, you know, it's like what I was talking about with uh, uh, my buddy Zach. Men take pride in all of the hard shit we've done. You know, the worst jobs we've ever had, the hardest we've ever had to work, the yeah. most we've ever gotten our asses kicked. We yeah. take pride of, in all of that shit, and we have an ego because we look at the, at the other guy who's, you know, laughing at it going, well, you couldn't have fucking taken it. Yep, yep, completely true. But I think we're going to wrap this one up. I really appreciate you coming on, Andrew. Awesome, man. It's been good fun. It's been good fun. We'll have to do another one soon. Oh, hell yeah. I want to get uh, you and your brother on for a dual episode when we ever get yeah. the chance. 
for sure, for sure. Be, that'd be amazing. All right. Uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, uh, share. If you're on iTunes or Google Play, leave a review. That helps people get the message and uh, helps spread the word of the podcast and get more people on. We are just crossing the 4,000 listener download uh, mark right now, which isn't too bad for a four-month-old podcast. Pretty good. So thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. This is Tate and Jeff and Route. Thank you for listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the content on all of the episodes, especially this one here. If you'd like to become a contributor and support this podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash ruggedlegacy and click on the support icon. Everyone wants to rise from the ashes, but very few are willing to set themselves on fire. This has been a Rugged Legacy production.